You are unlimited in the eyes of God and what you can do, what you can become, what you can have, and where you go. You are the church, and you are unlimited. Welcome to church. How is everyone doing today? So glad to be here today. It's going to be an excellent day at Church Unlimited. We want to welcome in all our campuses and our God Behind Bars guys. Such a pleasure to have them with us. My name is Nate Dooley. I'm the next-gen pastor, which means I'm the student pastor, college pastor. We do a few things here at Church Unlimited, and so it's a few things that I do. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. Last night I didn't talk about myself at all, and the guys were like, hey, introduce yourself. No one has a clue who you are, and I don't love talking about myself, so I kind of make fun of myself at the same time. So about 17 years ago, I started ministry when I was called to ministry, and I graduated seminary about 13 years ago, and I said to a friend, I said, hey, man, listen, Matt, there is no way I'm moving south of Kentucky to do ministry. There is no possible way. Man, I want to go up north. There's a lot of non-believers up there. I really want to reach people for Jesus. And he said, man, that's awesome. So two months later, I found myself in the very south tip of Florida. So don't say you won't do something. And then about five years later, I married at the time. I said, hey, babe, we're never moving to the Bible Belt. There's too many Christians there. I'm never moving to like Tennessee in that area over there. So two months later, I found myself in Nashville, Tennessee. And so about six months ago, we're visiting some friends in Denton, Texas, and um, we're driving out of Texas, and I say to my wife, I said, hey, babe, listen, there is no way we're moving to Texas ever in our life. And she said, I completely agree. So today, I stand here before you right now, and I say in front of the Lord, in front of y'all, I'm never moving to Hawaii. (laughs) Absolutely not. I say that in front of the Lord, in front of y'all, it's just not going to happen. So I'll be here for the next years, whether you like it or not. I'm so glad to be here. It's been a blast being here. You know, it's pretty neat. My daughter and my son love the kids' ministry here. Phenomenal ministry. So if you've got kids in your home that are sitting with you now or they're at home, and you need to get them involved in the kids' ministry here. It's unbelievable what God does. You know, my daughter used to wake up, and, and she doesn't act like this anymore, but she used to wake up every Sunday, and she'd be like, I don't want to go to church. I hate church. Listen to what she did this morning, and this is a weekly thing now since we've been here for about four weeks. I opened my door at about, I don't know, 7 a.m. or something like that, and I'm leaving the house, and she's standing there fully ready, person hand, she's eight years old, fully ready, and says, I'm going to church with Daddy this morning. And so then she's, and so, so this morning I'm sitting there reading over my notes, making sure I know what I'm talking about, all that kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm sitting back there with her, and it's like about 9 o'clock or 8.45 or something like that, and she says, Dad, are you going to take me to kids' ministry? I said, honey, you, you can't check in for an hour. And she went, well, why did I come early with you? And I'm like, I don't know. You said she wanted to come earlier. I'm like, here's my phone. Entertain yourself. And so they love it. It's unbelievable what God's doing at Church Unlimited in our family through Church Unlimited. Um, another thing about myself is I'm a big Louisville Cardinals fan. They're playing today. And so here in a few minutes, we're just going to put March Madness on the screen. Is that okay with you all? would make me happy, but I'm trying not to pay attention to the scores as well. So it is a great day at Church Unlimited, and would you join me praying and believing that God's going to do some neat things in this service? Let's pray. Father God, you are big, and you are great, and you are God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you come alive in this place, that you come alive in some of our hearts, maybe for the first time in this service. Lord, I pray that you move in our campuses, that you move um, behind bars, that you move in this room right here. And that you just come alive in this place to so many of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Let me introduce you to someone real quick. This is my son, Deacon. He's seven years old. He's a curly, red-headed fireball. That's him. You see that? That's him cheesing. His hair defines the epitome of his personality. Like the curly red hair, you hear like a red-headed stepchild. Like he's all of that. He's a blast and so much fun and crazy and disobedient, doesn't listen to a thing I say or anything like that. But he's, he's so much fun. And so I don't know about you, but how many of you all have kids in your home? Well, if you have your hands up right now, I don't know about you, maybe I'm just a bad parent. Is bedtime just a challenging time like every night? Some of you all are like, no. Some of you are like, no, that's, that's not us at all. Well, well, don't judge me, but our home is a mess at night. I'll be like, guys, go get ready for bed. And three hours later, like none of that. I'll say to my daughter, I'll say, hey, London, listen, I need you to go brush your teeth, and I need you to go potty, and I need you to go get your pajamas on. And so I'll find her like two hours later, and she's like dancing in the mirror going, I got that feeling inside my bones. And she's literally, she loves to dance and sing and all that. And I'm like, London, I, have you brushed your teeth? No. Have you gone potty? No. You got your pajamas? No. It's like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And then my son, I'm like, Deacon, listen, we're talking about obedience and being obedient to your parents. Go put your pajamas on now. And he says, okay, daddy. So about an hour later, I'll find him dancing naked in his bedroom. It's unbelievable. I'm like, what are you doing, son? And so I started saying, I started trying to coin a turn to help them realize. I said, listen, guys, obedience is immediately. And they'll say, okay, dad, an hour later. I'm like, Deacon, what are you doing? What's immediately? And I'm like, oh, son, okay, obedience is instantly. And so he goes, plays an hour later, nothing's done. I'm like, Deacon, what are you doing? What's instantly, dad? I'm seven. And I'm like, that's a good point. And so I was like, all right, son, so listen, obedience is now. And they're like, okay. And they go get it done. I'm like, why couldn't we have done this at the beginning? Like, what happened here? It's bad parenting is what has happened. But here's what I've learned from that. And we do the exact same thing with God. He tells us to do something, and we're like, I'll get around to it later, tomorrow, next year, when I get a family, when I don't have this, when I have this. We make every excuse in the book. But here's something that I've learned from my kids that I've heard a million times, and you probably have as well, but I've got to remind myself of this as well. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And when God's calling us to do something, he wants us to do it now, not later. And let me tell you, show you a really cool video of a man that just did something drastic with obedience. It really doesn't make any sense. And so I'm going to show you part of this video now. And if you would, bring your attention to the video screen as we watch this. I went through a phase in my life just trying to figure out if God really does uh, speak to you. I'd been to some conferences, uh, traveling and leading worship and... Um, People always talked about God spoke to them and God said this and God said that. And so I just went through a time I just started really crying out to God, do you really speak to people that way? And um, I got invited to lead worship in uh, Dallas, Texas at the Harvey Hotel in Dallas, Texas. And um, went in and was introduced to the other worship leaders that were going to be there. I was really excited to be there. Um, did not feel that I um, should be there but it was just a blessing, and I wanted to impress these guys. And during uh, the first session, first service, uh, I was not leading. I was down in one of the seats and uh, during the worship. I sensed um, uh, something going on, and I felt like God was speaking to me and said to step out into the aisle and do push-ups. And my first thought was, well, this can't be God. There's no such thing as push-ups in the Bible. Moses didn't do push-ups. So what in the world is going on? Can't be. Must have been the pizza I ate last night, and I let it go. 
And just a few minutes later, I felt that squeezing of my heart again. I felt God speaking to me again, saying, step out in the aisle and do push-ups. And again, the second time, I just kept thinking, there's no way this is God. If I do this, it's going to be real embarrassing if nothing happens. And then the third time, I knew that I had to do something. And I had this thought in my mind that if this is God, um, I'm going to step out now and do push-ups and something happen. If it's not, I'm just going to do it anyway. So I stepped out in the aisle and I laid down in the floor and I began to do push-ups right in the middle of a worship service with all these people singing and worshiping God. And here I am doing push-ups. And I was hoping to be inconspicuous, but the guy next to me in the aisle said, started counting. And he started going, one, two, three. And it was, I was just like, I, I, I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Nothing happened. I finished doing like, I don't know how many push-ups. It wasn't that many. And then I stepped back in my spot. You're like, what, what in the world? What's wrong with this cat is what I'm asking. But it's pretty incredible what happens next, which we're going to watch in just a few minutes. So if we were def to define immediately, what are some words that were come to mind? So I kind of researched that a little bit and gave some own definitions. So here's some definitions that you might say. Immediately is without lapse of time, without delay, instantly, at once, instantaneously, or now, as I said a minute ago with my kids. The opposite of immediately, immediately some antonyms would be later, I've said that a lot, eventually, not now, in the future, tomorrow, or when I get around to it. Do you know how many times I've asked my kids to do something now, and they're like, I will later, Dad, and I'm like, I'll beat you later. <laughs> now, I would never say this to my kids. Don't judge me. Now, none of us have ever said that. I'm sure we love Jesus and our kids. And, but, <laughs> but the reality is they say later a lot, and, and we do the exact same thing. It's almost like we're little kids in the eyes of God, which I'm sure he looks at us like that on many different occasions. I remember uh, at times we would say, I'll pray about it. Sounds like a great thing. But a lot of times we use that as a cop-out of something we don't want to do. Like, hey, man, I really want you to come to church with me next week. Yeah, man, I'll pray about it. Ooh, I'm not going to church. It's what we're thinking in our head. But the reality is a lot of times we need to pray about it and seek the Lord. I remember when I was in college, my, my youth pastor at the time, Pastor Jimmy, said, hey, Nate, I really want you to go to Mexico with us. And I said, you know what, I'll pray about it. I really meant it. And so I went home, and a couple of days later, I began to pray about it. And as I get down on my knees, and I'm like, Lord, somebody approached me about Mexico, and I think maybe I should go. It's like I heard an audible voice saying, why are you praying about doing missions? Like, why are you even bringing that before me? I say in my word, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so I went back to my friend, and I said, hey, man, I think I should go. The Lord like, pretty much said, why do I even pray about this? This is something that you need to do. So I went to Mexico, and it was pretty neat. But if you, if you look in, in, the, in the Old Testament, Moses did a pretty incredible thing. He led millions of people, and I'm going to read out of Exodus real quick. You don't need to flip to this. Just reading a couple of verses. I'll be reading out of Matthew 4 in a minute. But he led about a million people, Israelites, that were in slavery. He led them out of Egypt. And so they're running from the Egyptians because the Pharaoh's coming after them, and they come to the edge of the Red Sea. And they're scared to death because the Egyptians are coming and they're looking back and they're scared. And then Moses does something that a coach would do or a pastor would do. And he starts to encourage them. And listen to the encouraging words he says in Exodus 14, 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you. Need only to be still. And so he says that. But then listen to what the Lord says to Moses. And I don't know if he interrupts and says this like from heaven or in his head or how that looks like. But he says this. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. 
So Moses is trying to talk them through it and give them hope and challenge them. And the Lord interrupts and says, quit talking to me. Be obedient in what God's calling you to do. And before you know it, the sea splits and you see one of the biggest miracles of all mankind because of Moses' obedience. Because sometimes our obedience is as simple as acting out what the Lord has already called you to do. Sometimes obedience is as simple as acting out what the Lord has already called you to do. Maybe what somebody said to you in church that day. Maybe when you were in life group and, and a conversation came up. Or, or maybe what the Lord said to you while you were reading the word. But you know you said it. You know you heard it. And you're waiting till tomorrow, whenever tomorrow is. And we got to realize that delayed obedience is disobedience. So let's take a moment and look at the disciples and see how they responded when Jesus came to them and he said, come follow me. So Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and I've been to where this was. It was incredible in Israel. And I've walked along the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and I can just imagine boats and men fishing and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you look in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Matthew 4, 19 through 22. And he said to them, this is Jesus, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, there's that word again. They left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two older brothers, two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. They went immediately. You know, the Lord speaks to us and asks us to do several things, and we will eventually, not immediately. We live in the land of, I'll get around to it, not obedience is now. But the disciples, they didn't think about it. They didn't pray about it. They didn't seek counsel for six weeks or pray about it for six months. They said, all right, I think this is the Lord, but at the same time, I need to be obedient right now, and I don't need to think about it. And they dropped everything, and they went on. Pretty neat story of obedience. I had a, a former student. Her name was Katie Hurst, and I called her. She's a Liberty student at, at Lynch, in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I called her and I said, hey, Katie, I need a couple more solid young lady interns. Do you have any friends that you could recommend? And she said, I can't think of anybody, Nate, but, but let me think about it. Let me pray about it, and maybe somebody will come to mind. And so like that next day, she's working at a lake there in Lynchburg, Virginia. And then she calls me and she says, I met this girl da named Danielle. I interviewed her for you, and you need to hire her. And it's like this 19-year-old girl. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And so long story short, I hired her. She comes to Nashville, Tennessee, and she's working for us. And her boss, which is one of our campus student pastors, calls me and says, Nate, this girl you hired, she hasn't even been baptized, and she's working on her staff. And so long story short, she's sitting in the car, and she calls her, her boss, Andrew, and says, hey, Andrew, I need to get baptized tonight. I need to be obedient. He's like, oh, that's so awesome. So she hangs up the phone. There's a girl she's giving a ride to church next to her in the passenger seat. And the girl says, you know, I got saved last month at dodgeball. I need to get baptized. She says, well, get baptized with me tonight. And she's like, okay. And then the sister of the girl in the pastor seat is sitting there in the back seat. And she says, what's baptism? And so she says, you know what? I think I need to be obedient and stop the car and tell her about Jesus. They pull over the car on the way to church. Instead of waiting for church, she does it immediately. And guess what? She leads the girl to Christ in the car and says, let's all get baptized tonight. All three of them got baptized because of their obedience. All because 500 miles away in Lynchburg, Virginia, Katie was obedient in what, the God, what God was calling her to do. Listen, if you hear nothing else today, church, hear this. You never know who's on the other side of your obedience. You never know who's on the other side of your obedience. 
Maybe you hear the story of baptism and you sit there and say, man, that's, that's me. Man, I gave my life to Christ months ago and, and, and I, just, I just need to, I need to surrender and be baptized. Well, you can get baptized on first Wednesday. April 5th, we're going to have a baptism service and every campus is going to come here. And um, except for San Antonio, they're going to do one up there. But we want you to get baptized on our, on our first Wednesday of April. And we can watch you be obedient in baptism. And you can't do it immediately, but at the same time, you can commit immediately. You can go to the lobby, to our first connections, and sign up and say, I want to be baptized at that time. So the disciples responded immediately, and lives were changed for eternity. The disciples responded immediately, and lives were changed for eternity, including ours. So I like to ask, what if? I probably shouldn't. That's kind of questioning God sometimes. But what if they weren't obedient where does that put us? Because we're here today, ultimately, yes, because of Jesus. But Jesus used the 12 to bring us here today because they were the voice of the Lord. They proclaimed the gospel all over the world. And in Acts 8, the church spread throughout all the region and all the world. What if they weren't obedient? Where does that put us? In the same way, God wants to use our obedience. Jesus spoke and they obeyed. You know, what if the church of America actually obeyed the Lord and what God was calling us to do. You know, I don't think there'd be ten to 11,000 at Church Unlimited. I think there'd be about 100 to 110,000 at Church Unlimited. You know, I don't think churches would be closing their door on Sunday morning. I think they'd be open their door wide open and they'd be busting at the seams. But the problem with sometimes in America is we get comfortable and we forget that sometimes we have to step out in faith and do what God is calling us to do. Immediately doesn't wait till later. Obedience is now. Immediately doesn't wait till later. Obedience is now. So here's something to think about that I can't help but think about. What's at stake for these guys? These disciples that just dropped everything, what's at stake for them? It said they left their family. It said they left their brothers and sisters. They left their father in the boat. And don't forget, those of you all that have boats, I know some of you do because you take those out and understand, I would love to get one at one point. They left their boat laying there with their nets, all their gear, and everything that was their livelihood. And they said, okay, Jesus, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to follow you. And they left everything. They left their identity and all. In Mark 1.20 it says, Without delay he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They abandoned everything because they knew Jesus was worth it. Luke 5.11, So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and followed him. Let me ask you guys a question today. What's obedience look like for you today? That's a question you don't hear me pointing the finger at you. I've got to ask this question to myself as well. What's obedience look like for you today? Because I know beyond the shadow of the doubt that the, Lord, that the Lord speaks, and he speaks to me, and he speaks to you, and he speaks directly to your heart. And sometimes it's hard to discern that voice. It really is. I'll be the first to admit that. But sometimes we just got to lean in because I don't really hear the Lord yell at me very often. It's usually in the form of a whisper. And you've got to be close to the Lord to hear the whisper of the Lord. Maybe it's uh, getting committed to the church or to tithing like we talked about a couple, couple of uh, weeks ago. It might be leading your family spiritually. It might be getting baptized, as I mentioned. You may even have kids or teenagers in your home that don't come to church. You know, as your student pastor, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you have kids or teenagers in your home or really anybody in your home, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Lead your home spiritually in a way that you don't give them a vote to attend. 
Here's why. Because when you choose to honor God with your entire family, God does miracles. It it isn't easy, but God does miracles. Every time my wife and I go to church together, and a lot of time I'm going earlier, there's always World War VII going on in our home. But then God ends up doing something unique and powerful in our kids' lives or in our lives because we made the church a priority to our entire family. When I was a kid, my parents didn't give me a vote. I remember I got home from prom my senior year at about 4 a.m. I wasn't out drinking or doing anything crazy, but at the same time, I got home, and and I said, hey, Mom, listen, man, it was a great night. We had a lot of fun watching a movie at at Joe's house and all this kind of stuff, but, you know, it's it's a little late. I mean, it's 4 a.m. i got to be up in a few hours. I think I'm going to skip, you remember Sunday school? I think I'm going to skip Sunday school and just go to church service. And she said, no, you're not. Like, excuse me? And I said, well, it's not like I'm I'm, I'm sinning or anything. I just, I mean, I'm only going to get a few hours of sleep, and I'm not going to enjoy it anyway. I'm going to be sleeping through it. I'm going to offend somebody. So I'm just going to skip Sunday school and go to church service. And she said, no, you're going to go, and you're going to like it. And when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, it's like, what do you say? Well, I'm leaving. Well, where am I going to go at that point? So I was like, yes, ma'am. And so I went to my room and went to sleep and woke up like three hours later. But people would say like, well, you don't know what's going to happen to your teenager or your kid if you force them to go to church. Parents force me. And, you know, I've had some rough patches at the same time. But God will use that because he wants to honor you. And you want to position your teenagers and your kids to be obedient to the Lord and to hear from, from them, from him. So the disciples left their family, they left their identity, they left everything to follow something that had a bigger purpose because obedience was worth it. The time is now. They knew they had nothing that should prevent them from saying, let's go. And so at the beginning of this message, we showed the video excuse me, about Joel. Joel Goddard is his name. He's a worship pastor in Georgia right now. I was talking to him the other day, asking him permission to share this video, and he said, Absolutely. And so you learned real quick, if you forgot, he, during worship, he felt an urging on his heart. He got down, he did push-ups in the middle of the worship service. And you're like, what in the world is going on? What could happen next? Like, how is God going to use this? But you never know how the Lord is going to speak and use you, use you. So bring your attention to the screen as we continue this video. My personality is, if I feel embarrassed, my next emotion is anger. And I was mad. And I thought to myself, why would God ask me to do something like that? and embarrass myself. I could feel people looking at me trying to figure out why in the world he's doing push-ups during worship in a church service. And while I was having that moment of frustration towards God, a guy walked up on the stage, grabbed the microphone, said, I need to say something. And he started talking about how his wife had been asking him to go to church every Wednesday and Sunday for like 10 years, and he always said no. She asked him to come to this event that we were all at and said, um, he said, I will go if you promise to uh, never ask me to go again. And she said, I, I will do it. She called all her friends, and this is all backstory we found out later on. She called all her friends and uh, said, please be praying for my husband. He's coming to church tonight. And when he came in, they sat in the back, and everybody is singing and worshiping. The band's playing, and he's being reminded of why he feels so uncomfortable and doesn't like church. And in that moment of frustration towards church and religion and God, he looked at his wife and said, I tell you what, I will get saved if somebody will do push-ups in the aisle. Now, don't forget, sometimes I will tell this story and people think, man, that's really cool of you that you heard God. Don't forget, I was mad the whole time because I didn't think he did anything. 
The process that I learned in my relationship with God during that time is there are many times God's going to ask me to do something and the moment is right then to do it. Right then. And don't worry about it. if it embarrasses me, makes me look stupid. It does not matter. Do what He says. Sometimes nothing will happen. Sometimes something will happen. But how much faith do I have to step out in that moment? It's an honor to be able to share this with you today. Not because it has anything to do with me. I don't even mind if you even know what my name is. I just want to glorify God that He is sovereign and He does speak to His children. Isn't that incredible? Like, how stupid is that? And the Lord just uses it. You never know who's on the other side of your obedience. The ripple effect of your obedience travels much further than you'd ever imagine. Imagine the kids of that man who came to know Christ because of those push-ups. Their lives changed because he's going to lead them in a spiritual way. Imagine the kids of his kids whose generations have been changed. All because one man, one crazy man heard the Lord say, do push-ups in the aisle. And what happens is generations are changed. When we're obedient, the ripple effect of our obedience travels much further than we'd ever imagine. I don't know what God chooses to use us, but he does. He chooses to use us, and I'm grateful for it, because God works the extraordinary with our simple and ordinary acts of obedience. You know, God doesn't use extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. He used ordinary people to do ordinary things through our simple acts of obedience. And when we live in that obedience, God just does miracles and it doesn't make sense. The time is now, folks. Some of you know that God is calling you to do something. And, and maybe you sit there and you say, Nate, honestly, I can't remember the last time that I heard the Lord speaking to me. I just don't remember it, and I remember this one time when something happened, or maybe right after I got saved, and maybe if that's you, maybe it's because you weren't obedient in what God was asking you to do. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go back to that place. Go back to that place where you know that God was saying, do this, and be obedient in that. But here's, here's what's neat about obedience. When we walk in obedience, we hear from God. And the more we walk in obedience, the more we hear from God. Like imagine how easy it would be for Joel to be obedient in his next step of obedience. Like when the Lord says do something crazy, he's like, man, last time I did it, this happened. I, I got to be obedient right now because no telling how the Lord could use me. And so when we walk in obedience, it's amazing to see what God can do. Here's the, the thing that I think was kind of easier for the disciples. I think they understood something that we need to understand as a church and as Christians. I think they heard the voice of the Lord through Jesus speaking, and, and, he said, and they said immediately, I'm going to drop everything. I think they understood something. I think they understood that eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. I heard my friend Brent Crow said that, and I thought that was powerful. And I think that we need to understand that so that we can start reaching out to our friends and our families. Because according to recent research, approximately every 12 seconds, someone dies in America. Now, I would assume in a, in a room like this that most of us probably know Jesus, but a lot of your family might not, or a lot of your friends might not. Every 12 seconds, eternity is too long to be wrong. I'm going to ask everybody in the room and on video to bow your head and open your hearts to what God wants to do right now. If you just bow your head, close your eyes, and open your heart. You know, if we were to go back in a time machine, it says Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped to walk on this earth to live a perfect life about 2,000 years ago. 
It says that he lived a life that we couldn't live to die a death that we deserved. He took on our sin, our shame, so that we wouldn't have to. Then he, listen to this, then he killed death. He took death and annihilated it. And the grave couldn't hold him, and he arose from the grave. You know, the greatest example of obedience was Jesus. His obedience to die on the cross for our sins because we were on the other side of his obedience. You never know who's on the other side of your obedience. What do you need to do in this moment to be obedient to Jesus right now? You know, maybe you are on the other side of my obedience of preaching this message. Joel, the push-up guy at that point, he said, I didn't know for sure what was going to happen, but I knew that I needed to do it. Obedience is now. What does obedience look like for you? What is obedience? If he's calling you right now, if you look at yourself and you say, man, I, I know that Jesus died for me. I've sinned, and, I, and I'm, I'm far from perfect, but at the same time, I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never asked Jesus into my heart. And if you sit there and you say, I need to surrender my life to Christ because I need to be obedient in this step right now. And if he's calling you to surrender your life to him for the first time, for the only time, for the last time, then, then real quietly, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. If you say, I need to surrender my life to Christ, that's awesome. I see several of y'all. Keep your hand up. Somebody's got two hands up. I love it. Several of y'all over the room. Last night, we saw about 50 people say they need to surrender their life to Christ. First service, we saw about the same. And it looks like there's about the same. Keep them up high. Anybody in the back, you say, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to ask Jesus into my heart. Okay, keep them up. And, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to do just like Pastor Bill does every week. And as a church, as a congregation, we're going to come around these people and pray with one voice. And so if you have your hand in the air, then I want you to cry out from the bottom of your heart and surrender your life to Jesus for the first time, the only time, and for the last time. Because this is the beginning of a changed new life. Let's pray as a, as a church. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, but you died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me of my past, of my present, and my future. I give my life to you. I want to walk in obedience. Please come into my heart and live with me forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That's exciting.